High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Grab your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Today is such an awesome day. Can you bring me down just a hair? I'm really loud. I feel like I'm going to be ringing in a second. Thank you. Today is a great day. Today is a day that we commemorate the greatest day in recorded history. Today is the day that we celebrate the fact that there is an empty tomb and that Jesus arose victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave forever. And as believers, that should be a day that we shout about. All right. I said, as believers, that should be a day that we shout about. The reality is because the tomb is empty, you have been raised in newness of life with Jesus. This is, this is what's happened over the past couple days, what we are commemorating. Jesus went to the cross. He took your sin. He took your shame. He took your suffering. We'll talk about it in a minute. But hell threw its best shot at him. And Jesus suffered and he died. And on the second day, on Saturday, he was laid in a tomb. And Jesus wasn't inactive on day two. I'm going to say it again. Jesus wasn't inactive on day two. Jesus was storming the gates of hell on day two. He was preaching to the captive. He held captivity captive. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he said, I'm the man now. I'm the conqueror. I have dominion over death, over hell, over the grave forever and ever. And then on the third day, he ratified it. And he said, death can't hold me. And the stone must be rolled away. And he came out of the tomb victorious over death forever and ever. He promised life everlasting, and that was ratified by his resurrection. The tenet that is central to our faith is Jesus is alive. That I want you to hear the way I say that. We need it all. But even more central to our faith than Jesus died for us is that Jesus is alive forevermore. Jesus, it was a lot of people that were crucified, but there was only one that didn't stay in the tomb. There was a lot of people that died, but there was only one that got up. And because he got up, we can get up today. Because he came out of the tomb, we can come out of the tomb. Because he conquered death, you are able to conquer death forever. Ephesians chapter 2, let's read this. Paul's writing here, it says this. And you, he made what? Come on, shout it out. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, come on somebody, but God who is rich in mercy, Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved and raised us up together 
and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul here begins to, the, to talk to the church at Ephesus, and he's contrasting two extremes, right? He's contrasting life and death. This is really get to where the rubber meets the road. He's contrasting hell and suffering and heaven and life everlasting. He is contrasting the sons of wrath with those who have been freed from the hold of the enemy. This is, this is, this is where we are. This is what's being said, that I was dead in trespasses, but I've been made alive in Christ. I want you to hear me. You're not going to, to, to be made alive one day. If you're in Christ, you've already been made alive in him. You're not going to be seated with him one day in an age to come. You are seated with him now, and you will be seated with him in the ages to come. This isn't merely speaking of some reality that you're not already able to walk into. You are already seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. You are already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have already been washed in the blood. You have already been liberated from sin and the power of hell. Death already can't hold you, and the grave is no threat to you any longer because Jesus conquered it forever. You've been made alive. There's resurrection power that has been given for us. The reason I've been made alive is because 2,000 years ago he was raised up from the tomb. <laughs> let's, let's just rewind a little bit. Let's, just, let's, let's talk about how we got to this place where this was needed, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? God creates the heavens. He creates the earth. He creates the cosmos. He puts man in a garden. He says, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion. The serpent comes in. He perverts the thinking by telling lies. That's what he does. By listening to a voice that you were never called to listen to. And he deceives Eve. Adam is deceived. They fall into sin and death enters the world. And from the time of the fall till the time that Jesus comes, everything is pointing towards one mission, towards one goal. The Father says, I want my creation back. The Father says, I want relationship back. This is, this is, this is, this is what happened. God looked through time. And he saw Pastor Paul and he said, I want relationship with Pastor Paul. He didn't call him Pastor Paul. He just calls him Paul. God looked through time and he saw Alan. He said, I want relationship with Alan. God saw Doc. He said, I want relationship with Doc. God looked through time and he said, I want relationship with these people. They are my children. I've created them. And because of sin, the enemy has had a legal authority and a legal hold to come and wreak havoc in their lives. How many of you ever had the enemy wreak havoc in your life before? And then God says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son to break the power of death and hell. I'm going to send my son so that 
that hell can take its best shot, but I know he's going to conquer death, hell, and the grave forever. That God in Christ was suffering the sin of humanity. That God in Christ was one who was taking on all the sin of the world, but God in Christ also was liberating us forever from the power of death, hell, and the grave. I want to challenge you to look at the cross a little bit different evenly this morning. The cross was not defeat. The cross was one of his greatest victories. On the cross, he was victorious. Come on, on the he, he wasn't, it's not he lost day one and then day two and day three he found victory. He won on day one too. He won the whole way through. This is where we are. Nobody in here today has lived a perfect life. If you think you have, just ask somebody who's close to you. They'll let you know where you missed it. We've all missed the mark. How many missed the mark before? How many missed the mark this week? How many missed the mark this morning? All right, a few of y'all. I saw a couple of y'all fighting out at the photo spot. I know, I know who y'all are. Hmm? We've missed the mark. That brings death into our lives. Sin brings death. You know, you know why God hates sin? God doesn't hate sin because he doesn't want, because God looks at you and goes, I really don't want them to have fun. God hates sin because sin actually is a dehumanizing act. Sin makes you less human. I want you to hear me. Sin makes you less human because whenever God created humans, he created them how? In whose image? In his image. We were created in the image of God. Humans were created in the image of God. So whenever you operate and walk in sin, it actually makes you less human. It is dehumanizing to walk in sin. It is not simply that God just looks, I don't want them to have fun and I want to give them a yoke for something that they got to walk with and it's really difficult and hard and they'll never be able to live up to it. God doesn't want you to walk in sin because sin makes you less human. Sin makes you less like him. Are y'all with me this morning? So God came to break the power of sin, to break uh, the power of death, but also to make you what he always intended for you to be, a human being in his image and his likeness, exercising his dominion and his authority within the earth. That's why the power of sin has to be broken, is to make you human again. Are y'all with me? All right. We'll talk about it some more some other time. We can go a little bit deeper. Sin brings death. It brings deterioration, not just of the natural man, but also of the spirit man. It brings condemnation. It brings guilt. It brings shame. But the good news I have for you today is this. You don't have to live in guilt anymore. You don't have to live in shame anymore. You don't have to live broken anymore. You don't have to live in an inhuman manner anymore because Jesus came to make a way by which you could be restored and walk in life everlasting forevermore. You've been made alive because there's resurrection power. I've been raised up in newness of life. You have been raised up in newness of life. Because Jesus is alive, I have been made alive. This is the thing. When Jesus defeated death, he defeated death. <laughs> I know it sounds redundant, but it's the truth. When Jesus defeated death, he defeated death. He defeated death forever. I was talking to Eliza last night. Our, our five-year-old should be six in a, after Easter. She's been counting down the days to Easter because she knows after Easter is her birthday. We had to, we had to, she was like, so we're, tomorrow's Easter? Yep. And then my birthday's right after that. Well, it's like 30 days, but yeah. 
She's like, then Monday's my birthday. Nope, we got a little ways to go, but I was talking to her last night. She and me, she says, Daddy, I can't sleep. I said, well, let's, let me go in your room and, and I'll, let me pray with you and, and, and then you need to go to sleep because it's like 10.30. We got church in the morning. And I said, do you know what we're celebrating tomorrow? She goes, it's Easter. I said, why are we celebrating Easter? She said, because Jesus came out of the grave. I said, that's right, baby. And you know what happened when Jesus came out of the grave? She said, he was alive. I said, right. And you know what happened? He defeated death forever. I said, he defeated death forever. So we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live scared of what tomorrow brings because Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated death. And if death couldn't hold him, death can't hold you. If death couldn't conquer him, then death can't conquer you. I've been made alive. That's what Paul is telling us in Ephesians. We've been raised up because of Jesus. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Hell lost all its power at the resurrection. We have this idea sometimes in our brains of the forces of hell, and it looks like, it looks like Sauron in the Lord of the Rings. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It looks like, what's the place? Somebody help me. Where Sauron is. Y'all, none of y'all know. Well, my nerds didn't come this morning. Mordor, thank you. Somebody yelled it out. Somebody was scared somebody was going to get offended if they said the name. <laughs> Looks like Sauron and Mordor, this big, big tower, big fortress that's strong and mighty. Right? And we're just some little hobbits trying to defeat it. That's not the image that's painted in Scripture. Hell is already defeated. It's already been ransacked. Jesus ransacked hell on the second day. In, in, in theological terms, the second day is what we call the harrowing of hell. Jesus went and he preached to the captive. Can I say this? Jesus just led, he led an escape party from Hades. And he preached to the captive and he held captivity captive. And he said, I'm busting out of this place. And if you want to come with me, you come with me. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me this morning? He held captivity captive. Jesus defeated the grave. Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin. I know you say, you keep saying that. That's right, because I want you to really grab hold of this and really understand the, the gravity of what we are celebrating today. It's not just some Easter bunnies and chocolates and hiding eggs. We are defeating today. Death has been conquered. Death has been vanquished. On that first day, hell threw everything it could at Jesus. And, you know, we look at it, and what's more final than death? In our brains and in our, the way that we finitely view things, what is more final than death? Nothing seems more final. Nothing seems more final than death. What is more devastating than death? Anybody ever experienced a loss of a, of a loved one, someone that was close to you? It's devastating to you. It hurts. Every part of you hurts. What's more final than putting someone in a grave? You want to know why the disciples ran? You want to know why they were scared? Because they put everything that they believed in him. They, put every, they, they left everything and they gave everything to follow Jesus, even though he told them this was going to happen. I guess it just kind of went over their heads, which was a pretty frequent thing when he talked to them. By the way, if you think you're any different, it still happens to you today. Lord tells us what's going to happen. We hear something completely different. 
We even have Thomas who even after the resurrection, you know what we call him? We call him, what, what do we call Thomas all the time? We call him doubting Thomas because we, we, have a, we have a tendency to define people by their weakest moments rather than their strength. We call him doubting Thomas. Thomas is also the one who said, Jesus, we're going with you. And if they kill you, they got to kill us too. You know why Thomas was, was saying, I, I need to see it. First of all, if you really look at it, Thomas wasn't actually asking for anything more than what everybody else had already experienced. But we call him doubting Thomas, like we would have been so much better. Thomas, the disciples, they put everything in Jesus and then it was gone. We put it this way, what they had hoped for seemed dead. What they had believed for seemed dead. It was in the grave. The stone had been rolled in front of it and there was nothing more final than that feeling. Nothing more final than that feeling. I know there's some of you in here probably today, you've had hopes, you've had dreams, you've had things you've believed for. In your marriage, in your family, in your destiny, your job, your purpose, whatever it is, and you feel like it's been put in the grave and you feel like it's final, it's over. There's nothing that can come back. It can't come back from this. But I want to prophesy to you today that the same Jesus who stood at the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. The same Jesus who said, hell cannot hold me and death cannot defeat me is the same Jesus, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you and it will quicken your mortal body. The same power that was in him is within you today. And I don't care what your situation looks like. I don't care what they've said to you. I don't care what the legal ramifications are. I don't care what it looks like right now. It isn't over until God God says it's over and it may look like it's day one or day two, but day three is on the way. Sunday is on the way and resurrection power is still your portion. And whatever your situation is, he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He had the first word and he is certainly going to have the last word. He's not going to let the enemy have the last word in your family. He's not going to let the enemy have the last word in your health. He's going to have the last word and the final say so you better not quit and you better not throw in the towel and you better not be mournful and sorrowful because the story isn't finished yet and your hand's going to be raised in victory you've been made alive <laughs> Jesus was put in the tomb but it couldn't hold him. Jesus came, Jesus came out of the grave in the singular, most cosmic shaking events in the history of time. The guardians of the galaxy ain't got nothing on what Jesus did in the cosmos. Right? Why not? You go, why, why do you say that? Because listen, Jesus, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it changed everything. It changed everything. It changed everything and now all things are being restored and all things are being made new and all things are being conformed to his image and his likeness because the reality is as he makes all things new through the power of his resurrection. Jesus said, death, you've been defeated. Grave, you can't hold me. Sin, your power is broken now and forevermore. And because he was victorious, he gave me victory too. And I believe he's standing at graves today and he's saying, come out of that grave. Come out of that tomb and be raised in newness of life. I want to challenge you today. I'm, I'm not going to go much longer. Y'all hang with me. 
I want to challenge you today to change your identity. There's an identity change God wants to do in your life this morning. You aren't dead. You are alive. You aren't dead. You are alive. I don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm a dead man. I wake up happy to be alive. I wake up knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for me. Listen, even, the, even a bad day is a good day. Even a bad day is a good day when the Lord's on your side and whenever he's for you. You've been made alive. You're not a sinner anymore. All right. We're going to go here. first. I said, you're not a sinner anymore. If you're in Christ, you're no longer a sinner. I, what, I'm just going to let you in a little bit my, inside my brain. One of the things that will irk me the most is if you... Ask somebody something like, how you doing? Well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace trying to make it. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I'm no longer a sinner anymore. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why would I call myself a sinner when he calls me righteous? Why would I call myself a sinner? Because whenever you call yourself a sinner, what you're saying is I am still held by the power of death and grave and sin, and I ain't held by that any longer. It can't hold me any longer. I'm not a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not just trying to make it another day. I'm victorious in every situation and in every circumstance. I'm not just trying to hold on till the end. Now, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in every situation and circumstance. Even when it doesn't feel like or look like victory, I already know what he's promised. So my situation has to change. Get a little bit of an attitude. You're not a sinner barely trying to hold on in the world that's just filled with corruption and death. And I don't know. You've been made a conqueror. Get rid of your fatalism. And take on the identity of a victor. The devil comes itching for a fight. Don't worry about it. Just another chance to knock him out. Y'all with me? Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 2, that through death he might destroy the one that has the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held captive in slavery by the fear of death. We don't have to live in fear of the enemy any longer. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. N.T. Wright says this, death is the last weapon of the tyrant. And the tyrant of the enemy, his, his weapon has been taken away from him. He no longer has a weapon to use against you so he can't defeat you. you got to change the way that you think. There's an identity shifting that God wants to do in your life. And you should no longer wear the clothes of a dead man. So a lot of people that have come out of the grave, but they're still wearing the clothes of a dead man. And actually, we see a good picture of this with Jesus and Lazarus. We miss it so often. But Jesus stands at the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. And then Jesus turns around and says, now grave clothes, loose him and let him go. Because there are a lot of people that though they may be made alive, they still smell like death. 
There's a lot of people that though they've been made alive, they still have all the appearances and trappings of somebody who's still wrapped in death. And Jesus isn't just calling you out of the grave today, but he's calling for the grave clothes, for sin to let you go, and for you to live in righteousness and in holiness today. When you realize your identity, you will start acting differently. I'm not living for me. I'm living for the one that raised me. But for the, furthermore, I realize this, that I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm taking on the identity of the culture that I am a part of. Anyone, whatever culture you immerse yourself in is what you will begin to act like. Whatever you surround yourself with is what you will begin to be like. You are the company that you keep. Y'all ever heard somebody say that before? You are the company that you keep. What does that mean? It really means this, that whoever you surround yourself, whatever culture you immerse yourself in, is what you will begin to act like. So guess what's going to happen if you immerse yourself in the culture of the world and in the culture of sin? Guess what you're going to act like? Guess what happens if you wake up in the morning with the mentality of, I'm just struggling to not sin today and be a terrible person? Guess what you're going to do? But whenever you wake up with the identity mentality that God has made me victorious, when you wake up with the mentality that sin has no hold on me, when you wake up with the mentality that I don't have to go and live crazy today, I can live righteously because God's called me to be righteous. Guess what starts happening? Guess what starts happening when you start coming to church and start hanging around some people who also have that same revelation and that same idea? Guess what happens when you begin surrounding yourselves with people who whenever you're going through it aren't just going to pet you on the head and make you feel good about yourself, but they're going to pick you up and say, let's keep going. You've come too far to stop now. You've come too far to let the enemy get a hold in now. we got to press on into victory because, listen, I remember where you were, and I know where you are now, and I know where we're going, and we're not going to get to go where we're going by going backwards to the way that it was. you got to push forward. you got to get around some people who think and believe like you do. you got to get around some people that are going to encourage you and help shape you into who God's called you to be. Get in a culture that isn't necessarily always just comfortable for you, <laughs> but get in a culture that will help you become who God's called you to become. By the way, the way that you get stronger sometimes is through a little bit of hurt. Well, I don't, when I say hurt, I want to me clarify. I don't mean people being angry or mean or somebody doing something wrong to you. What I'm talking about is you becoming maybe a little bit uncomfortable and pushing yourself past some places where you've stopped before. You know how your worship gets stronger? Maybe you've never gotten off the floor before in worship. And maybe, maybe you need to move a little bit. Listen, that chair ain't keeping you safe. You know what I'm talking about? You can always tell people who are struggling a little bit, they get the death grip on the chair in front of them. You see the chair shaking a little bit. Maybe you need to let go of the chair and move a little bit. All right. Maybe you need to get your hands out of this position and maybe really get them up a little bit. Push yourself beyond your level of comfortability and allow strength to come in your life. Amen? Amen? When you realize who you are, you'll act different. All victory is found in Jesus. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. So I'm going to immerse myself in kingdom culture. I'm going to immerse myself in the culture of victory because I'm, I'm going to immerse myself in the culture that has humiliated the enemy. 
And then whenever you do that, you'll begin to realize this, that you were also here to defeat the enemy. The enemy has been defeated, he is being defeated, and he will be defeated. The enemy has been defeated, he's being defeated, and he will be defeated. All three can be true at one time, okay? So listen, Jesus, whenever he said, it is finished, the enemy was defeated. Sometimes it feels like the enemy didn't get the memo, though, and he still shows up. How many of you rather the enemy show up in your life? And guess what happens when he shows up? It's time for him to be defeated. And ultimately, one day, judgment will be rendered upon him, and he will be defeated forever and ever. And he will no longer be an issue in your life ever again. And I'm here to humiliate the enemy. I'm going to make it to where the devil just, just, just decides he doesn't even want to show up to me anymore. I know what happened last time I went and showed up. I don't want to go through that again. You're here to defeat the enemy. I'm here to humiliate the enemy. I'm here to defeat sickness. I'm here to defeat disease. I'm here to defeat anything the enemy might throw at us. Because understand, the disciples, whenever they saw Jesus raised from the grave, whenever they realized death had been defeated, they were raised in newness of life. And guess what they went around doing? Proclaiming to others that they could be raised in newness of life. You're called to be a releaser of life. You weren't called to just be a pretty Christian who comes to Christian prom on Easter once a year. Like Dad said, the CEO, Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions. We're living in an hour, if you haven't seen it, where there's talk of death, destruction, unrest, all sorts of crazy stuff going on in the world. What a time to be those who will release life in our culture. You want to be countercultural? Release life right now. Countercultural is not being the one who has the negative outlook right now, trying to pick everything apart, trying to pick everybody apart, trying to find the, 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 the downside of everything. You know what really is countercultural right now? Speaking life in the midst of death. I want to be one who's raising others up. I want to be one who's a life giver. I want to be like my daddy. God is a life giver. He's a giver of life. He spoke and life was. He spoke and light was. He spoke and the sea was sealed. I'm not going to go around declaring death. I'm going to declare the healing power of God. I'm not going to go around declaring that everything's bad. I'm going to go around declaring breakthrough. I'm not going to go around declaring death and destruction and everything's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to go around declaring the life of God because I've been made alive again. I'm confident in this. I'm confident that we can be raised in life. I'm confident that death has been defeated. I'm confident that God has a, conf has, a, has a good expectation and outcome for what's going on in the world today. You may be asking, Pastor, how can you be so confident today? Pastor, how do you know? It's because my confidence is in the one that was whipped five times with 39 stripes. It's because my confidence is in the one whose brow was pierced by a crown of thorns. My confidence is in the one who was mocked and cursed. My confidence is in the one who carried his cross to a hill named Calvary. My confidence is in the one who took nails in his feet and his hands. My confidence is in the one who took the sin of the world upon himself. My confidence is in the one who cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. My confidence is in the one who was laid in the tomb. My confidence 
confidence is in the one who went and held captivity captive. My confidence is in the one who took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. My confidence is in the one who couldn't be held by the tomb, who couldn't be held by death, who couldn't be held by the grave. My confidence is in him today. And because my confidence is rooted in him, I know that he's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. Because my confidence is in him, I know that there's nothing this world can throw at me or can throw at us. There's nothing that can happen that's going to change what he has said and what he has promised. You can't shake me from the promise because I've been made new. Because there's resurrection power. Because I've been made alive again. I know that there's power in him and there's power in what he's done. Will you stand up to your feet this morning? Come on, stand up to your feet. I just want you to lift your hands to heaven today. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven today. Come on, just begin to worship him. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your authority. We thank you for resurrection power that's in this room this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you took sin, you took death, you took hell, that it took its best shot at you, but it couldn't win. (laughs) that you broke the power of death and hell and sin. Father, we thank you that you even savaged the gates of hell and you arose victorious. We thank you that you arose from the grave, that it couldn't hold you. And you're now seated in heavenly places, that you've made a way for us to be raised in newness of life. We thank you for what you're doing for your power. Will you just bow your heads this morning? Just bow your heads this morning. Maybe there's somebody here and you say, Pastor, you know what? I hear you talking about this confident expectation. I hear you talking about what Jesus did. I hear you talking about resurrection power. But I'm not walking in that resurrection power because I don't have a relationship with Jesus, because I don't have a relationship with him. But today, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Today, I want to make things right with the Lord. Or maybe you hear you say, Pastor, at one point I was in a good place. At one point... I was serving him, but I'm not where I need to be. And today I want to make things right with him. Today I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to rekindle that relationship with him. If that's you this morning, will you just lift your hand high so I can see it? Anybody, I see that hand. Anybody, see that hand. Anybody, see that hand. All over the room, I see those hands. Listen, if that's you this morning, you're raising your hand today, I want want you to do me a favor. I'm going to invite you to come up to the front right now. We want to pray with you. Come on, if you raise your hand, I want you to take a step out of your seat. Come up to the front. Come on, if that's you, come. Hands were lifted all over the room. You're surrounded by people who love you and are for you. Come on, if that's you, come this morning. Thank you from the back. Come on, if that's you, come. If that's you, come this morning. Come on, come. Come on, come this morning. My brother over here, come on. Come on, step on over here, ma'am, if you will. Come on, come on. They're coming from all over the room. Come on, come on. Come on. I know there was more hands. If you, listen, this is your chance. This is your opportunity this morning. We come down this way. Amen, 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 amen. There's more coming. Amen. What's your name? This is Tiffany. Hey, brother, what's your name? Ben. This is Ben. Jenea. We got a couple more coming. Jenea. Come on, give them a hand as they come. Amen. Amen. What are y'all's names? I'm sorry. Kelsey and Shy. All right, they came to give their lives to the Lord this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise and glory for what he's doing. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody that's up here, I'm going to ask everybody that's out in the back, if they're all are out there, but y'all just, let's all just pray together this morning. Say, Father God, let's come on, say, Father God, I thank you today that you sent Jesus to die for me, that the, the power of hell has been broken over my life 
because of what Jesus did, that he was crucified, that he was laid in the tomb, but the grave couldn't hold him, and he emerged victorious. I thank you today. I declare that you are the Lord of my life. I receive you as my Savior today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Come on, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one comes home. Can we give the Lord praise and glory today? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.